Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Boschel. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. Come on, give him praise there in Bloemfontein, the many thousands in that place in Potsdam, in Cape Town, in Durban, in Johannesburg today. Come on, the many thousands gathered here in Pretoria tonight. Give the Lord a praise because you love him tonight in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And after you've done that, you're going to lift both your hands to him tonight and say this, say, Lord Jesus, I make room for you tonight in my heart and in my life. In Jesus' Name, Amen and Amen and Amen. Come on, give somebody a high five with love. You can't touch them. That's a, 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 a Bluetooth high five in the Name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Welcome to all our churches. Bloomdane, Johannesburg, come on, Swanee. There's tens of thousands with our Lady Brain Bleeder, Bethlehem, Cape Town. Durban, East London, Falls Bay, George, Jeffreys Bay, Kimberley, Clarkstorp, Grinstadt, Kales River, Marking, Malmesbury, Mitchell's Plain, Moinoi. Hey, Hanfantanoi and Moinoi. Nelspreit, Paddle, Peter Maritzburg, Polakwani, Port Elizabeth, Keep Clapping, Potsdam, Kwakwa, Rustenburg, Uppington, Belcom, Wuster, Gabrone, Tumep, Gabrone, the second time, Ongadiva, Zogopment in Ventuk. We welcome all these people live with us tonight, tens of thousands. And then on television, Faith TV, we welcome you. Facebook, um, YouTube Live, CRC platforms, everybody all around the world. Amen. God's going to do something great in your life tonight. Okay, I've already welcomed all those people, all those countries. Um, well, we pray that our signal still goes to Russia because we broadcast over 7 million people watch our program in Russia and our hearts go out to these people. You know, we don't stand in judgment of the people because there was a time that I was sent to Angola and I had no choice. So every person that is killed is a tragedy. An act of war is never something to be celebrated. I don't care what side you're standing on. The loss of life is never okay. So we pray for the people of Russia and we pray for the people of Ukraine. Amen. I saw all the airlines of Russia meet with the president and they said, we're not happy with this war. Nobody wants to fight a war, okay? Sometimes government makes decisions and we just have to have no option. I was there, know what I'm talking about. I was in Angola, not on a hunting trip on orders, so my heart goes out. I don't celebrate when I see a helicopter shut down as I was um, being translated to Johannesburg this morning. The person who traveled with me said he watched a helicopter shut down and he thought it was great. I said, no, nothing great about it because there's people who live and that was somebody's father, that was somebody's brother, somebody's child. Come on, no war is good. I said, no war is good, okay? So we pray for peace in that place. Listen, 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 listen. I'm excited that you are here today. We are in the process of recovery. So many of you are coming from other towns, other cities. 
especially students starting to come to church, we have certain house rules. Number one, respect. Number two, respect. Number three, respect. That means, listen, 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 listen. When the Word of God is taught, you do not sit on your cell phone and you watch pictures of girls like some of you did last week. We will gently take you by your ear and escort you out of this building if you show no respect to the Word of God. Let me make it very, very clear. You don't bring your chaos into my world. It's not gonna happen, it's not gonna work. So if you don't wanna be here, you have 10 seconds to leave. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's it. Take your seats in the heavenly places, thank you. If you take notes, it's okay. But when you hear the Word of God, it's not time now to WhatsApp a girlfriend and to send nonsense around. There's an eye in the sky that sees everything. <laughs> so don't let us come and embarrass you and, and take you out because you were never taught respect. Thank you. And uh, we don't appreciate young men walking around while the Word of God's taught. If you have a bladder problem, I'll pray for you. If you have a spirit of agitation, I'll deliver you. But you'll pay attention when you walk into this building, whether you like it or not. You may never come back, that's your choice. But you're not gonna disrupt the anointing and you're not gonna disturb anybody else that's hungry for God. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight after this COVID pandemic. Um, I believe God's busy with many things. And I had a meeting with several of the key leaders in South Africa this week, pastors from different groupings, denominations. And one of the things we had to reflect was how many of our people, members, lost relatives, friends, and family during this COVID pandemic. And I just wanna to say to each and every one of you, if you lost a dad, you lost a mom, you lost a friend, you lost a business associate, heartfelt condolences to all of you. May God comfort you, may God strengthen you, and may God give you the courage to be stronger than ever in Jesus' Name. Say a good Amen tonight. So, after this pandemic, which we pray to God, the President will cancel the state of whatever we're in because there's no need for it any longer. People need a, a, a lot of help. Spiritual, emotional, physical and financial. So when the President talks, he talks about the state of the nation. When I talk and leaders talk, we talk about the state of God's Kingdom. And the Kingdom of God means you. God wants you happy. God wants you healthy. God wants you in a good space. There's a lot of people that are not in a good space right now. A lot of people that have gone back to things that they've come out of. Things that God delivered them from formerly. For whatever reason, we see a great sportsman die suddenly. We see some great singer commit suicide. You just have to open your eyes and see that our world is gripped by chaos. And I'm not negative. There's a lot of uncertainty. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Shane Warren woke up this morning, that morning, and he tweeted 
about somebody else who just had a heart attack. A few hours later, he had a heart attack. And that was it. Not a second chance. So your age is not a guarantee of tomorrow. Your status is no guarantee. Your background, your money is no guarantee. About your future. The only thing that can secure your future is God. And by that, I mean you having a real living relationship with Jesus Christ. Not some religion. Not some half-hearted relationship you have with Jesus and you claim that to be Christianity because it's not. When Jesus takes control of your life, He takes total control. That means you lose ownership and that means He becomes the center of your life and He sits on the throne of your heart. Now many people aren't ready for this. Many people want to serve God at their terms and I want to say to those people, you ain't recovering the way God called you to recover. You're not going to find yourself outside of God and you are not going to find the purpose of God outside of the purpose of God. I want to say this as I start tonight. You know the Bible says our lives are as a vapour. It's yet today, gone tomorrow. Has a flower in the field. It's yet today, it's gone tomorrow. We have no guarantee of tomorrow. Today is all we have. And if you drop dead in your seat right now, is there something you still have to repent of? Is there something you have to change? Is there something you have to get right with God? Because somehow the deception of Satan is that we're going to live forever. And the truth is we do live forever. But we don't live forever in this world as we know it. We live forever either in heaven with God or in a place called hell, which is a real place. As a matter of fact, Jesus spoke about hell more than He ever spoke about heaven. You better listen to me tonight. Hell is a real place. And this is not a Bible, but let's say this was a Bible. I said it this morning. We better believe the whole Bible. We better take the whole counsel of God. We better take the good, the bad, and the ugly. We better take the blessing, and we better understand there are times of suffering. We better believe that God will secure us. We better believe that this Jesus thing is a real thing. It's not a partial thing. It's not a part-time thing. It's not a cultural thing. Oh, come on, if you love Jesus, jump to your feet, say amen, and give Him a praise. Hallelujah. I know some people don't like coming to our church because people always jump up and praise the Lord, but that's your problem. I don't know what you're going to go to in heaven because um, they worship God there 24-7, not that there's time in heaven. So, so let's talk about times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. In Acts chapter 3 verse 19, the Bible says, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The Amplified Bible says, So repent, change your mind and purpose, turn around and return to God. A lot of people who walked away from God in this time. A lot of people who ran to things that formerly were the things that held them captive. So God says, I want to refresh you. I want to revive you. I want to build you up. But the first thing you have to do, you have to turn around from whatever you're busy with and you have to turn back to God with your whole heart, 
your spirit and your soul, you have to take a step in the right direction. Like people run away from God or people think God's given up on them or when people go through a time of hopelessness, they think that God is no longer there. But nothing can be further from the truth. People fall, people fail, they feel condemned and they run away from God. It's the last thing that you do. Repentance doesn't mean you fall on the ground and you, 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 you hit yourself with something or you pay penance for your sin. Repentance is acknowledging that I cannot live without God and I cannot do this without God. I cannot live this life without God. So you turn away from yourself and you turn full on to God where God will change you. So you have to change your mind, your purpose, turn around, return to God that your sins may be blotted or erased, blotted and wiped clean. That times of refreshing, listen, of recovering from the effects of heat. It's been a lot of heat. Some of you went through heat in your marriage. Some of you went through heat in your business. Some of you are still going through heat in your emotions. Some of you are facing discouragement like Elijah in the valley of discouragement. I wanna tell you tonight that God wants to help you, that God wants to lift you, that God wants to heal you, that God wants to breathe life upon you, that God wants to refresh you. Can you say amen tonight in Jesus' Name? He says that you may recover from the effects of heat of recovering with fresh air. <laughs> People always come here and say, why is the air gone so cold? Because we don't want to fall, you to, you to fall asleep in the first time and we want fresh air in you. So that's what God wants, fresh air. That fresh air may come from the presence of the Lord. So if you're down and out, my brother, there's one way you're going to be up and about and that you have to get back into God, into the presence of God. If you are... Uh, burnt out, there's one way you're going to recover yourself. That's in the presence of God. If you are bound to some addiction again, there's one way you're going to recover yourself and that is back in the presence of God. Come on, if you are lost, there's one way you are going to find yourself and that is back in the presence of God. If you are uh, uh, struggling with depression again, there's one way you're going to find yourself and that's back in the presence of God. Oh, come on, I feel God's presence in this place. Somebody just give Him a little bit of a praise, a shout of joy. Make a joyful shout unto God. Hallelujah. So many people have, are still recovering from the effects of heat, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and financially. You talk to them and it's just like, there's no reaction. And, and we can't change you if you don't change your mind. We can't help you if you don't get yourself back into God's presence where you come with an open heart. Not you come as you came before, but you come broken, you come hungry. There was a great book said, Father, or my name is Anna, something like that, where you just come and you say, here I am God, you just come as you are. You come with your pain, you come with your brokenness, you come with the effects of heat, you come with your question, you come with your struggles, you come with your trials, you come. Because we're good at wearing masks, especially now in this COVID time. But God doesn't look on the outward appearance, He knows what's in your heart tonight. 
and He is calling you like Jesus who said, come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He says, take a break with me and I will cause you to live again. I will cause you to breathe again. But you have to turn away from something and you have to turn back to me with all your heart and I will put fresh wind in your sails and I will revive you and I will lift you up. So many have run to the valley of discouragement like Elijah. And yeah, God comes. Supernaturally, but not spectacularly, Lily. He comes not in a fire. He comes not in an earthquake. He comes not in a mighty wind that breaks the rock in pieces. How does He come? A still small voice. And God says to Elijah, what are you doing here? In the place of discouragement. In the place of depression. In the place of inferiority. In the place of feeling unworthy, in the place of wanting to commit suicide. Do you know that there are people listening me tonight, to me tonight through television and or one of our churches, maybe even sitting here tonight, you have contemplated suicide. You've had thoughts of suicide like Elijah did, a great man of God who killed the prophets of Baal and Asherah, 850 prophets he kills. He prays fire down from heaven. The next day he runs because he is so discouraged because of persecution and he sits by himself and he says it's enough God I want to die meaning I've had it have you ever been there I want to tell you that God loves you too much to allow you to quit you may want to abandon your dream but God's not about to abandon you you may want to quit on God but God is not going to quit on you God's never going to change His mind about you. And tonight, God is going to lift some of you there in Potschefstroom, there in Bloemfontein. God is going to lift you out of the valley of discouragement. And God is going to put you back on the mountaintop where He will restore your eyesight and your vision and your dream and your prophetic insight. God is going to renew your strength. God is going to revive you. Come on. Times of refreshing will come from His presence if you have an honest conversation with God. And I love this scripture in 1 Kings chapter 19 where a still small voice comes and immediately Elijah heard that voice and he wrapped his face in his mantle. What, mean, what does that mean? It means he recovered himself where? In the presence of God. We never know what people think. We never know what people are going through. But God does. God cares. God says, I still am. Your peace. I still am the one who will calm your troubled soul. I still am the one who will lift you up and heal your brokenness. I still am the one that will comfort you in your time of difficulty. See, my dear friends, we have portrayed God sometimes as this distant God. And unfortunately, with this whole foolish prophetic movement, they are true prophets, but very few. We have again gone back to the Old Testament where people think God speaks to His people through Men, not so. 
the New Testament, Jesus comes and He says, I send another helper, I send another comforter to lead you and to guide you into all truth. He says, my sheep hear my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. What am I saying to you tonight as a child of God? You have access to the throne room of God as a child of God, no matter how low you are. You can get back on the mountaintop. You can present yourself in the presence of God. You can come no matter how you smell, no matter what you have done. You can come and stand in the presence of God and you can say, Lord, I'm sorry. Jesus, I need you. And the Bible says, times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Come on, if you need a time of refreshing tonight, now's the good time to give the Lord a praise, an offering of worship in this place in Jesus' Name, hallelujah. So Elijah recovers himself, where? I mean, he is the chosen prophet of God and um, he recovers himself in the presence of God. You know, and I've said this many times, but you need to hear this. Very often it's when you start the journey that the greatest challenges come and the greatest temptation to quit. When I started in Lady Brand, I wanted to quit every Monday. I love what Tommy Barnett said. He said, I've thought about quitting a lot, but I never did, thank God. So it's not the thought to quit. It's the decision never to quit, no matter what you feel. And what did I do? Because I thought I was wasting my time. I mean, when God called me to Lady Brand, I didn't even know where Lady Brand was. Never been there. Such a small little place, such a small little business, such a small insignificant opportunity, whatever it is. And there I go for six people, then 13, then 23, after a year 30 something, and then 23 people moved. Think about it. Two thirds of my church moved. And guess what I thought? I thought, what the heck am I doing in Lady Bread? Every Monday, I wanted to quit, I tell you. Narita was off to Lesotho. She worked in Lesotho as a, pro, a computer program analyst and uh, back at the ranch, Hassan was thinking, I'm wasting my time. And I was smart enough to go to a place, there was this place in the mountain because um, I wasn't a lazy bum as a young person. I don't believe in laziness. God doesn't bless lazy people in any case. So God doesn't bless entitled people. God blesses hardworking people like Adam. God created him to work hard six days. He says, go to the ant and learn from the ant. The ant is a hard worker. So I was up five o'clock every morning, prayed by myself, sat by my desk eight o'clock, prayed again, studied the Word with a congregation of a few people. Visit my whole church every week. It wasn't difficult. 23, 30 people, 40 people, 50 people. But God knows I had this battle, not just for one day, but over and over and over and over about quitting. What are you doing? Because I was before that in business. And um, back then, 1986, um, my last paycheck was 8,000 and something. That was after tax. Now a new BMW 318 cost 18,000 rand. So in the context of today, and I went into the ministry for 700 rand. So people say you're in the ministry for money. Achasabliefman, pity, pity. 
Jani, Kues, Rerach, Rerach, alsjeblieft man. So I thought, and I said this to God not once, I said to him many times, why couldn't I just be in business? I did. I said, why must I do this? I knew God called me. I'll talk about that. When the fire of God came upon me and how God anointed me, etc., etc. But I didn't want the ministry. Do you understand that? I didn't want to be a, a duomini. How many of you think I look like a duomini? Yeah, none of you. Right, you see. I don't want to do this. I studied law. I didn't want to do this. I wanted to go in politics. I wanted to be a businessman. And God called me. And He didn't give me a fancy platform. You walk in here, you think this is where we started. This is after 36 years, man. Yeah. 36 years of sacrifice. Stories that you don't know about. Sacrifice upon sacrifice. There was never, never a golden platter handed out to me. Nobody ever gave me a stage, a microphone, a platform, ever. Nobody supported me when I started with a cent. I went with the blessing of my pastor. Started with one family, the lady that worked with him and another lady from Lesotho. And I had all the fire in my heart and as an evangelist, I would go because I, <laughs> I mean, I, I, every Saturday and every uh, Friday I was evangelizing in Bloemfontein and in the center of Bloemfontein, the market in Old Hoffman Square, back in those days, I used to preach. People used to come out of the buildings everywhere. People got saved. Hundreds of people got saved every Saturday. I didn't need a microphone. I would just jump on a plant box, take my Bible, open the Bible, read, and I say to people, thank you for being here today. And the glory of God would just come. Everybody would just be stuck everywhere. And I would start reading the Bible because I was so nervous. I didn't know what else to do. I opened the Bible and I read a scripture. And when I saw again, there were hundreds of people standing. And then I would preach, give an altar call, and people would stand there. People everywhere just got, gave their lives to Jesus Christ. So I go to Lady Brand and I say, I'm going to evangelize Lady Brand. Ten minutes. I went to the city center, which I never found because there's no city center. There were a few shops that were closed between 12 and 2. A sleeping little hollow for five years. And I thought, what do you here? And I tried to quit, thought about it. And every Monday I would walk in the mountain. There was a beautiful place that I walked. There was a lane that I would go to. And I would take my two dogs, a bull terrier and a Staffordshire terrier. I like terriers because they've got some life in them. And um, I would walk there and pray in tongues. And as I did, God would just talk to me again. And God would give me vision and show me beyond what I was seeing. I did that for years until my reality became bigger than what you see here. We're still recovering bigger than what you see our stadiums filled. And I would preach to those 30 people like there were 30,000 people on a Sunday. 
because I changed. God changed my image. God changed my vision. Every Monday, God knew, hey, this boy needs some help. At least I knew where to go. I ran to the presence of God. I didn't run to alcohol or to drugs or to something else. I ran into the presence of God and every time I raised my hands and I just began to worship God, as low as I felt, the Spirit of God would begin to lift me and the Spirit of God would begin to work in me and the Spirit of God would begin to breathe upon me and show me the things that God has prepared for me. For I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed Him to us by His Spirit. And I tell you, my brother and my sister, if He did it for me back then, God can do it for you. He can show you the future. If you will draw closer to Him and press into Him and, 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 and stay in that place, no matter what, when the heat comes, when the challenges of life come, when a season like this COVID comes, that you will keep on drawing back to Him. You will keep on pressing into the presence of God because I promise you, every time you press into God's presence, you are gonna find Him. He is your Maker and your Creator and He is the one that's gonna readjust you. He's the one that's gonna readjust your sails. He's the one that's gonna lift you up when you feel low, when you feel downtrodden. He's the one that's gonna restore your vision and say to you, Elijah, I've not given up on you. You still have places to go. You still have things to do. You still are a great man. You still are a great woman of God. It doesn't matter how you feel. My gifts and my calling are without repentance. Your best days are ahead of you. Shout Amen tonight and give Him a praise in Jesus' Name. So God's never gonna give up on you, even if you are fishing in the wrong place right now, as Peter did. When Jesus was crucified, He became so discouraged that He started fishing. He ran away from God and Jesus had to go bring Him back. Tonight, many of you are here tonight, you are serving Him, but you're serving Him from a distance. You used to be committed, you used to be on fire, but now you've worked things out your way and you're serving God on your terms. Time to have a conversation with Jesus again about what is real. Time to get back to the very purpose of God for your life. Because that's where you will stay in God's grace. Imagine if I abandoned the ministry in Lady Bread. Where would I be today? I don't know. Even before that, when I worked in a coffee bar for a year. Oh my word. That was my prison of the some intelligent lady. I still remember her name. French-speaking lady, Ma Dujardin, made a decision at a board meeting to say, why don't we turn this evangelism center, which we called Eagle's Nest, in the old Cuthbert's building in Bloomingdale, where we got so many people saved and counseled every day, into a little coffee bar where we can sell hot dogs, hamburgers, etc. And the pastor said, good idea, but you're gonna run it. There I was, doing what? Huh? Every day for a year, making hamburgers, hot dogs, 
waffles, crumpets, alone. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I mean, if I ever thought about getting out of the ministry, it was then. But I knew that God was training me. God was working in me. God was doing something in me that He knew I needed, although I didn't understand it at the time. I mean, every lunchtime, 40, 50, 60 people would come in there, then I'm alone. They all put their orders together. Has anybody been a waiter somewhere? Amen. And you're not just a waiter, you make the food as well. How many of you know that's a lot of pressure? I thought, what am I doing here? Boss off, het jy jou kop verloor. Had the same, same conversation with God. But thank God I stuck it out. Because when I prayed five o'clock in the morning, somehow God gave me the grace and I knew it was the right thing to stay in the process, not to jump out of the process. I knew that God was doing something in me. I didn't understand what. You know, people talk about vision. My vision when I went to Lady Brand was never to build a big church like this. All I wanted to do was help people. Today, people get these prophecies of, you're gonna be an apostle to the nations and you're gonna be this and this and this and this and that. I never got anything like that. All I wanted was to tell people about Jesus Christ and there was a little building in, this, in, in Lady Brand, 20 meters by 20 meters. Do you know how small that is? Not, our platform is like 10 times bigger than that. And I used to walk around that building and think, oh God, if you can just give me a church like this, 20 meters by 20 meters. That was my vision. I say 20 meters by 20 meters. I'm gonna be the happiest person in the world. If that, and I walked around that building all the time. I did the Jericho March, okay. I'm gonna walk around that again and again and again. Well, thank God when we built the building, we built it a little bit bigger, 25 meters by 15 meters was a little, little, well, more or less the same size, okay. And this chapel we built here is exactly the size of the first church that I ever built. In every church that I built, I built a chapel the same size as the first church I built. So I can remember where I came from and what God has done for me and that I never deserved anything. It was by the grace of God. And at my lowest moments, that's when God was there at His strongest. And that's where God revived me the most and lifted me the most because He knew what He had in store for me. And so does He know what He has in store for you. So your present never determines your future. Your past cannot determine your future. It is your walk and your relationship with God. And when those times of refreshing comes from God, something happens that I cannot explain. It's like God refreshes your spirit. He lifts you. He anoints your eyes to see what you cannot see in the natural. He shows you what you cannot see in this dimension. He changes your level of faith. He gives you that energy, as the Bible says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. He says, young men will grow weary and faint, but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Oh, there's something that we can never take away from time in God's presence. 
from spending a moment in His presence, from allowing the currents of heaven, the wind of the Holy Ghost to breathe upon your spirit, to breathe upon your body, to breathe upon your mind. Because that is where you are gonna recover yourself in the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing. I believe believers need this more than ever. Times of refreshing in the presence of God where everything you've been through, all the heartache, all the difficulty. One of the ways that people respond with challenges is they become numb or they become desensitized or they just survive. They lose vision. They lose passion. And they just go from day to day. I meet pastors all over that are just going from day to day. People that are hopeless, people that are despondent, people that are discouraged, like Elijah. I want to tell you tonight that God is going to lift you. God's going to lift your spirit. God's going to restore your vision. God's going to restore your eyesight. God is going to speak to you. You are going to hear the voice of the Lord and you are going to recover yourself, firstly, in your relationship with Him. We do not believe that your way is the only way. No, there are 7,000 others that are serving the Lord. There are other people that are serving God the way that we serve God. Your way in isolation is not the way. You have to get yourself back into the local church, back into the presence of God, back serving God God's way and allow God to breathe upon you and allow God to do something in you that will cause people around you to be amazed and astounded in Jesus' Name. So when you spend time in the presence of God, the first thing that's gonna happen to you is you are gonna be changed into another person. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you cannot be the same person, you change. The Spirit of God comes upon you, you are born again. You become a partaker of the divine nature. You become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Satan loses his hold on you. You are translated from the dominion of darkness and you are placed in the kingdom of God's dear Son. You now live empowered by God's grace. Amen. So when you get into God's presence, 1 Corinthians 12, 3, the Bible says, no man can say, Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him to me. So when people sit in church and they respond to the altar call, don't think it's an emotional decision. It is the Holy Ghost talking to those people. And once you respond like I did on the 14th of November, 1982, yes, I was changed, hallelujah. God took out the heart of stone and God put into me a heart of flesh. God took out the sin nature and God put in His divine nature on the inside of me. That's why Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the Kingdom of God. You cannot change by religious doctrine. You must be born again. And I will say that to every person watching on television. I know you have to go. We only have an hour together. That Jesus is waiting for you. All you have to do is surrender your life to Him. Accept Him as your Lord and Saviour. He is the way, the truth and the life. Open your heart and allow Him to come and sup with you. God loves you. God wants a relationship with you. Tonight you go at the foot of your bed and you surrender your life to Jesus. Love you, God bless you. Amen, in Jesus' Name. Hallelujah. So the first thing, you are gonna be turned into another man. 
like Saul was on the road to Damascus, like Peter was on the day of Pentecost from a timid, fearful man when the Spirit of God came upon him. He became a bold preacher, an apostle. Eventually when they killed Him and they crucified Him, He said, no, I'm not worthy to be, be crucified like my Lord and Saviour. Crucify me upside down. Oh, you could not take the fire out of Him. The same one that ran away from Jesus, the same one that was timid, the same one that denied Jesus Christ. When the Holy Ghost came upon Him, He became a bold apostle. Hey, the Bible says God has not given you the spirit of timidity, but of power, of love and a sound mind. Hallelujah. So when you spend time in the presence of God, you will be changed into another man. Your desires will change. Second thing that's gonna happen is every yoke will be destroyed over your life. Every work of the devil is going to be destroyed. Every curse, every spell, every addiction, every plan of the devil because the Bible says the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Zechariah 4 verse 6, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit says the Lord. When you worship God and you are touched by the Spirit of God, I'm gonna tell you that desire for Dacha is gonna leave you. How do I know? Because He set me free, oh hallelujah. He broke that addiction over my life. Say Amen if you know, if you're free and you know it tonight, shout Amen and give Him praise in Jesus' Name. Every yoke will be destroyed. A lot of believers went back to the things that God saved them from. You get yourself back in the presence of God, God's gonna break that alcoholic spirit of your life. Thank you for the one hallelujah. God's gonna break that pornographic. God's gonna break that prejudice. Anger. You know, when you get into God's presence, you're not Mr. Big Shot or Miss Big Shot. You're not Mr. Director of Company, a little company of Mary. You're not the, um, <laughs> you're not, you don't stand in God's presence although He knows that you're president of the company. You don't stand there and God's not impressed. <laughs> I say this, people get offended in Johannesburg because listen there, if you have a title, you have to walk differently and talk differently. Oh, I'm from Santon. Well, praise God. Like, I'm from Santon. And we don't clap our hands in church. Oh, no. No, I'm important as a man. So the more important I am, the less I lift my hands to worship God. Really? I don't care how important you are, you might not like what I have to say, you dust. Do you understand what you are, dust? And you will return to dust. You're gonna go back and the worms are gonna eat you if they don't burn you. I don't care what your title is, one day you're gonna die. Because the Bible says it's appointed for men once to die, then the judgment, no matter how big you are. That's why the bigger you are, the smaller you have to become in your own eyes. That was David. He remained small in his own eyes as God blessed him. He remained small. He remained pliable. His heart remained 
soft as a king. He served the purpose of God. He never became uppity up. He never reclaimed ownership of his life. When he lost focus of his purpose once, he got himself in trouble. But while he served the purpose of God, God says, he's a man after my own heart. My brother and my sister, we're not gonna do this outside of God's presence. We're not gonna do this by without realigning ourselves every now and again in God's presence and giving God free access and not justifying the way we do this. Because the longer you do this, the easier that little things come in. Oh, 10 years ago, you were in another church and you picked up some bad behaviours and now you just jump from church to church. You're not planted. Where's that in the Bible? You're not a pot plant. You should be a tree. You should be planted in the house of God. You should be, I said you should be planted in a house somewhere. You're not a grasshopper. You should be planted in a local church somewhere. I didn't write the Bible. I preached the Bible without, without hesitation. And if it's not this church, then find the church and go there and get planted there and serve there and get involved there and be honest. Sometimes I hear somebody left and I'll talk to those people and they go to an all white church and then I realize why they left. Because how can you be exposed to this and go back to the world that you come from? Or they go to an all black church, not New Zealand rugby team. How? How can you be exposed to this? Multicultural, multiracial, multigenerational. And at some stage you get a pee in your bonnet, you don't wanna sit with black people. You're not born again, my brother. You've not even taken the first step of Christianity which is out of the culture of this world into God's kingdom culture. Loving your neighbour as you love yourself. Listen. So when God comes, He changes you. Everything about God in you is change because change brings growth, spiritual growth, transformation so that you can reflect the image of Jesus Christ more and more in the earth. Not reflect your culture. Although I'm not against culture, diversity is beautiful. But through our culture, we reflect Christ, not our issues, not the issues of the day. We reflect the gospel message of Jesus Christ because we are ambassadors. So I grew up a certain way. I grew up believing certain things. I read the Bible. And don't get mad with me, people. It's my testimony, so I can share my testimony. Okay? I read the Bible and I was a racist. How's that possible? You know, I talk to people and they always say, no, I wasn't as bad as you. I didn't ask you, were you as bad as me? And I, I, I found Jesus Christ and I had to confront the issue of racism. And I sat in churches that were praying in tongues 
don't know what tongues that is, by the way. But we prayed in tongues. Then I sat with the pastor and the pastor would say to me, just like this, my booty, we're not called to the black people. Then my spirit would go like, no. Well, that man, his authority it was like, I can't, it doesn't sit right with me. Not once. Because when I preached on Hoffman Square, people got saved, black people got saved, white people got saved, but I couldn't bring them to church because they were not ready for it. And he would say to me always, black people are different to us. Stiltekerk. Okay, let me get mooi sê. Swart mense is nie soos ons nie. Can't even hear a, you'd hear a pin drop now. Did he just say that? Yes. Because some of you are still there. And you wonder why you're not getting your breakthrough. Because you've not allowed Jesus Christ to take out the heart of stone, to take out the heart of racism, to take out the heart of prejudice. You've not allowed Jesus to do heart surgery on you and to open your eyes to see humanity through the eyes of the love of God. So you still listen, 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 listen. You still talk about them and us. Who are the them? Who are the them? I thought there are two kingdoms. And that's why I don't like it when people refer to people of a darker skin pigmentation as black and people of a pink skin pigmentation as white. I don't like it. It's not biblical. It's absolutely not right because black is the absence of light. I don't like it. I don't like that color code. We are all colored. We all hail from God. We all come from above. It is politicians that have labeled us a certain way. But we are born from one blood. Oh, come on! In the name of Jesus Christ, we all come from one God. We were all created in the image and in the likeness of God in Jesus' name. And until we don't see that, we haven't seen the first step into God's kingdom, which is spiritual, which is that old man was taken out of me. At least I share my testimonies, you don't. I did mission work in 1986. Remember, I'm born again, 1982, 86, I'm doing mission work in Botswana and our interpreter, Abel Muchudi. This is now me, the missionary, okay, with an unrenewed mind because I have a pastor that tells me we're not called to the black people and black people are different to us. And because I remember how in our house, the lady who worked in the house had a tin cup with her name written on it. So what do I do? I go mark his utensils and his cup and his drinking bag. And I write on the able, making sure that things don't get mixed. Going to preach the gospel to people of a darker complexion, pigmentation in Botswana. I go preach Jesus Christ, but I'm still a racist. Hello. This is 1986, I'm not there any longer, so don't fall out of your seat. 
You are still there, I'm not. I've grown, I left it behind because I had my journey with God and God took me out of it. I walked out of that racism because after the second trip, I realized this was hypocrisy. I realized that um, preaching to people and then saying to Abel, you live in a tent over there while we live over here. Us five white missionaries, we over here, you are over there. And then the Holy Ghost spoke to me. Thank God at least, I might not be so easy to persuade, but when God talks to me, I know it, my brother and my sister, and I hit the deck, I repent, I change, I don't need an hour, I don't need a year. When I know something is wrong, I'm gonna hit the deck, and I'm gonna say, God, I'm sorry, and I'm gonna get up from that ground, and I'm gonna be a changed man for the glory of God. And then the next time we went, there was nothing marked and we all ate from the same and drank from the same cup and drank from the same water bottle and stayed in the same place because I heard God and I saw the hypocrisy. I never understood what Jesus came to do until I had that experience and I left it behind. I said, I left it behind. There are certain things that you have to leave behind in the presence of God. And I'll tell you how it happened. We were in Botswana. It was late at night. And I was reading the book of Hebrews by myself around a fire. And uh, the whole book of Hebrews I read. And I saw what Jesus did and how He perfected everybody. And we all perfected. And and I was thinking, what are you thinking? Look what Jesus did for all of us. And here I am still with a barrier. In the presence of God, my eyes opened. I don't judge you because racism is a journey. You have to get out of it. I said you have to get out of it. You have to refuse refuse to be pulled back into it like you refuse to be pulled back into the abuse of alcohol or drugs or whatever else it is. You have to refuse it. You've been delivered from it. You've been saved from it. You've been set free from it in Jesus' name. So um, when you get into God's presence, he, he, He changes you. He takes out this heart. And if this heart is the one that rules again, you need heart surgery. And there's only one doctor who can perform surgery on a human spirit and that is God. Not everyone that says Jesus is Lord is saved. We have to walk this love walk. And you're sitting here tonight and maybe somebody of a different culture hurt you, somebody but um, belittled you. And you're still carrying that. If you're here the first time, I understand this. If you're here the second, third time, I understand this. But if you've been a Christian for many years, how long are you still going to carry that? How long are you still going to be angry? How long are you still going to be mad at the apartheid uh, people? And you weren't even born there. Your mother struggled and she's not angry, but you sit here with anger in your heart. How long? Don't look at me and say, why do you don't understand what I'm saying? I know. Because I was mad with the English for what they did to my grandmother in the concentration camps. I was mad. I didn't like the English. I love all the English here now, okay? All of you. God saved me, gave me an English wife. Colonial English. He said, now suck it up, boot. And then all my kids were raised English. Ach toch. And then I was smart. No, let me not say that. Let me not say that because that would be inappropriate right now.
We all can live our life in this flesh with its limitations. Or we can just come before God as people created in the image of God and say, God, here I am. I don't care how long you've been saved. Because the Bible says those who are born of the Spirit are like the wind. God can move you wherever He wants to move you in every direction, in your heart, towards people, your ministry. He wants the reins of your heart. And if He doesn't, He has nothing. Then this is a religion where we serve God on our terms and it's not good enough. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. No one moving now, please. A lot of movement up there. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one moving. You've come here tonight, you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe tonight if you died, you don't know where you would spend eternity. Maybe you served God on fire at some stage, but you've grown cold. You know, we, we can't live this life through our willpower. We have to live our lives in God's presence. And that is in a permanent place and state of surrender where we give God the access, the keys. And sometimes God will put you in that coffee bar where you don't want to be. Sometimes God will put you in that lady brand and you want to get out. I just wanted to get out. God kept me there. And then when God woke me up two o'clock in the morning and called me to Bloemfontein, I didn't want to get out of Lady Brand. And that's normally when God moves you, when you don't want to get out. Then God says, now you're ready. Your ambition is gone. Now you're ready because you served me in a place where you thought you shouldn't be. And you were faithful and you were fruitful and you multiplied. So now I will do this with your life. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Maybe one time you did, but you've grown cold. Maybe you've walked away from Him. Maybe like the prodigal son, you've left your father's house. He's one prayer away. He's not a judge. He's a Saviour. And all you have to do is come to Him and surrender your life to Him. Doesn't matter what you did. Doesn't matter what you did this weekend, doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It matters what you do with this moment where God says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. I believe tonight that God wants to lift you. I believe God tonight wants to reset something in your life and put you back on this path, this journey of life where you follow Him with everything in your heart. Every head bowed, every eye closed. There in Bloemfontein, in Johannesburg, here in Pretoria, in, in Potschefstroom, always a big crowd in Potschefstroom and all our other churches, wherever you are. Tonight you're sitting in this place, not by accident. God's working in your heart. You say, Pastor, I'm ready for a new start, a restart. I wanna surrender everything to Jesus tonight. I heard you. I need to turn back to God. If that's the cry of your heart, quietly, wherever you are, just lift your hand. I wanna say a prayer for you quickly, all over this place. Just raise it up high, all over this place. Raise it up. Thank you. Many hands. God bless you. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Raise it up. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. God bless you, bless you, bless you. Raise it up. 
Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. They're in Johannesburg. I see those hands up there. God bless you, bless you, bless you. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shut. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses himself? I'm not saying, I'm not saying Shane Warne is in, in, in hell. Don't say I said that. But where is he? Where is he? People will pay tribute and celebrate him for weeks and weeks to come. Rightfully so. But where is he? Where is he? Huh? When somebody dies, where is that person? Where is that person? In heaven or not? Tweeted in the morning. The tragic loss of somebody else. Later the afternoon, he dies of the very same thing. That's what life is. It's a vapor. You're sitting here tonight, you've not yet raised your hand, but there's a stirring in your heart and you say, Pastor, I need a fresh start with God, a new beginning. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. All over this place, you've not yet raised your hand, slip it up now in Jesus' name. Raise it up now. Slip it up. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Up there, God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. You know, I believe in altar calls because that's where my life got changed. I said this and I can say it a million times. I walked into a little building, a cinema, there weren't 90 people. I walked in there with a hangover um, bound with so many things and I prayed a prayer that some of you are going to pray tonight and God just changed me totally. Totally. That's why we keep on inviting lost people to church and backsliders to church. We don't play church. The Bible says there's more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 people that are just there for a good little teaching and another goosebump. It, it, it doesn't impress heaven. When Christians come together and nobody gets saved, heaven doesn't even pay attention. It's in the Bible. Doesn't. Doesn't care about all these games. Because the only thing we can take to heaven are people. Nothing else. You can't take your car, your house, your money, your fame, your reputation, your title. This is what it's all about. And in the process, we get educated, etc. The Bible says, He who turns many to righteousness will shine as the brightness of the stars forever. The Bible says, He who wins souls is wise. The Bible says, It's for this reason that Christ came into the earth to save sinners. Paul says, Of whom I am chief. I was a chief sinner. Jesus saved me. He did a lot for me. I don't forget it. Never ever will. I got saved. And I fell in love with Jesus and I fell in love with the church. That's why I have a hard time with people that love Jesus and don't love the church. Because it just wasn't like that for me. I fell in love with Jesus. I found Jesus in the church and I never stopped going to church. Not because I'm a pastor. I mean, I was in the army. I AWOLed. Absent without leave to go to church. Every Sunday, I jumped on the food truck in the Brug outside of Bloemfontein illegally to go to church. Because I just knew I need to get a church. Church was my life. Today, people treat church like, oh, I'll go when I feel like it. You can't love God and not love His body. And you can't love God and not love the Word. And, 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 and. I mean, sometimes 
it's like you talk to people, sometimes people say, well, I don't need the church. Well, the church needs you. Should I say that again? The church needs you. You are part of the church. You have a place in the church. You have a function in the church. You may think, I don't need the church. But what if the church needs you? What if God needs you? And you're just sitting there by yourself. Uh-uh. I couldn't. Uh. Nia. You get planted. You get discipled. You get committed. You get involved. You begin to steward the gift that God gave you according to 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and 1 Peter chapter 4. And you serve the people of God with the gift that God gave you. Can I have an amen here tonight in Jesus' name? Amen. If it wasn't for the church, I don't know where I would be. I got saved in the church. I found my wife in the church. I got baptized in the church. I learned about God in the church. Everything in the church. How can people now undermine the importance of the church? How? How? And they call themselves Christian. How? How? I raised my kids in the church. They're all in the ministry today because I raised them in the church. Revival meetings, they were lying under the chairs for seven hours every night when I had revival for seven nights. They were in church every single night. Angelique was two years old when she got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Laughed in the Spirit for hours and hours and hours. People, I don't know what young people think when they're pregnant, they bring their children to church in the womb and once the baby is born, they stay at home. And they disconnect generations from God's presence. It's not right. It's not right. You raise your children in the ways of God. You raise yourself. Come Sunday should not be an option. You should not think about a Sunday. On a Sunday, you should dress up and show up and be in the house of God with other believers and worship God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. That's how it is in the Bible. Can't be like the man that the mother comes to me. Says you have to go to church. She doesn't feel like it. Says you have to go. Says why? Says you're the pastor. So where's the different Bible for me that says I have to be here, and you don't? Huh? I said, Liftman. It's not two Bibles. One for me and one for you. It's an honor to pray for all of you. Jesus loves you. He loves you. We're mooi for me. It's a moeilijke ding for mans om te verstaan. Ek het nie verstaan, want ek hart groot geword. He loves you. He loves you. All my brothers and sisters, of course, but my brothers, you're never going to be a man without Him. Ever. You're going to be a mess. We're planning our Young Lions Conference and we are going to address... <laughs> hey, now the girls want to invade that. I will allow it for a moment and then I'm going to move you out because I just want to be among testosterone. Okay. I just... 
Come on, brothers, go give me a hoo-rah, hoo-rah, something in Jesus' name. I just, <laughs> I just want a day with testosterone, if that's okay. All right. We we're going to talk about the real issues that we can't talk about when the girls are around. <laughs> so uh, we'll do it smart. We'll have a session where everybody will be together, but then we're going to release the ladies and we're going to get down and talk about the issues that matter in society, in our world, and our responsibility as men. Amen. Male by birth, man by choice. Male by birth, man by choice. The world needs men. Mana. There's a lot of uh, girls that say, I just can't find a man. I said, but there's a lot of guys. She says, no, that they... <laughs> I'm not insulting my brothers. They say, biologically, yes. <laughs> biologically speaking, yes. You know, in, in our time, men were not emotional. You received a paper, but genoem is genaamd, an oproep instructie, dan klaar jy in, en dis dit. Niemand kry jou jammer nie. Jy is nie Janne jammer nie. Jy klaar in en jy leer om te luister en te dooi en te hardloop en te staan and nobody felt sorry for you not even your mother Sonja Harrell did Okay, okay, I'm missing all the young people here. Yankee, come to Klar, all right. Put your hand on your heart, pray with me, all of you, please pray in all our churches. Pray with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, say it. Come on, say it tonight. Say, Lord Jesus, I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. I surrender myself to you. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Please forgive my sin. Wash me in your blood. Give me the power through your grace to be free and to live for you. In Jesus' name. I forgive everyone who sinned against me. And I receive your love and your mercy. Thank you that I'm free. Free, forgiven. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And amen. Come on. Upon the profession of your faith, your sins are forgiven you. You are forgiven. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.